Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. On today's show, we look at the struggle against capitalist authoritarianism and imperialism and the state of women's struggle in Russia. My guest on today's program is Anna Nichnik. Anna is a socialist feminist, a publisher and an activist. She specialises in literary gender studies and women's histories. Russian government uh, learns a lot uh, from Chinese government because we have very similar processes uh, concerning the civic rights or the privacy problem or the uh, uh, or the uh, processes uh, against the protesters. But first, to answer the question about the uh, nature of Russian state, I would also argue that it's uh, that it can be called totalitarian state, because, uh, however, despite all the inequality and despite all the illegitimate uh, illegitimate uh, election process and uh, the fact that Vladimir Putin is reigning in Russia for 20 years straight, uh, the regime is still uh, trying to make itself self leg- legitimate uh, via the elections. So the main problem in Russia right now is the question of the elections and the questions uh, of how uh, the next electional uh, cycle will turn out, will work out, because the uh, state and the authorities see it as a great danger. Because, well, Vladimir Putin, however, he looks like a dictator, he still needs to be uh, elected somehow. And right now, uh, Russian constitution doesn't allow him to be elected for next five years. So the main question right now is the upcoming changing of the Russian constitution, which uh, is going to be, uh, which is going to be legitimated by some sort of uh, um, all Russian referendum. And the authorities still don't know how this referendum would look like, but mostly uh, they are trying to rewrite the constitution uh, in order to implement more, uh, uh, in order to implement the means to support the poor, because the poverty is the main problem right now. And they are trying to throw some sort of bone into poor people and mostly poor women uh, uh, in order to rewrite the constitution and in order to uh, uh, regain the power for next five years. So uh, what are they trying to do? They're trying to work with uh, women in Russia. Uh, and They are trying to make some changes like, uh, making, uh, like making a law uh, for, um, I, for free dinners at school. So as we can see, it's pointed into mothers who are struggling to feed their children. So Vladimir Putin is uh, promising that every kid at school will have a hot dinner and that will change the situation with poverty somehow. And they are also trying to uh, implement the maternal capital, well, the uh, money that the state pays you after you give birth 
for the child after you give, after you give birth so they could somehow uh, rise the uh, demography and rise the uh, birth rate but uh, the point is that poverty in russia is mostly uh, gathered in the regions where people have two and three and four children per family and the most poor regions in russia right now are uh, Tiva republic and ingushetia which are mm, uh, the republics within the russian federation and uh, in there the most poor people are the households with children because uh, after uh, the mm, a little bit uh well after the uh, 2010 or somewhere like that uh, people had a little bit more money and they started to give birth to children and after that it turned out really bad after the crimea crisis because well the crimea crisis is one of the key points right now well is one of the key, key points of the russian politics of previous 10 years because uh, first of all the nationalism work really well because well russia took this tiny peninsula of crimea from the ukraine and uh, within the nation it was a huge success like vladimir putin gave us uh, the great russian nation back and so on and people were very agitated and it uh, rose the popularity of vladimir putin immensely but after that uh, the sanctions of uh, uh, european union and usa stroke back and uh, the food started to become more expensive and people became more poor and right now well i have the statistics uh, right now about 22% of russian citizens have uh, enough money only for the basic uh, food. So 22% of people only can allow themselves to eat. And 35% uh, of people are in the danger zone. So they could go down to this, beneath this poverty rate and well have money only for the food and uh, the most necessary things. So if we speak about poverty, uh, the feminist agenda and the gender agenda rose, rises up because the most poor of the poor are women, of course. And the point is uh, that during last 10 years, the state was taking the support from mothers, well, piece by piece. Uh, of course, they made this sort of maternal capital that uh, 10 years ago you could have for giving birth uh, to the second children. So the first children went without any payment and from the state and so on. Right now they're gonna they are going to change that and give you maternal capital for the first children, uh, first child as well. But they didn't it didn't work out really nice because the other things like uh, food in schools, like kindergartens, like the kindergartens uh, for the uh children of one age from 
from one age to three age, they were just, they just disappeared. So the state just decided that uh, people and mothers don't need any kindergartens. And at this point, uh, a woman, women cannot go to work after giving birth for three years. So you just don't have uh, anyone. If you don't ha have anyone like a grandmother or a nanny uh, that you can pay and uh, that, uh, any person with to whom you can give your child while you are at work, uh, women can't go uh, to work. So that's one question, uh, one uh, problem: the poverty. And the, another problem is that this poverty is uh, backed up uh, by the conservatism and by the conservatives, uh, conservative discourse. Uh, from the one side, it's the conservative discourse of Russian patriarchal church, which is a very funny name for a patriarchal, well, you know, state and patriarchal church, uh, which uh, uh, every year a Russian patriarch is trying to ban the abortions, well, to make the abortions illegal in Russia. For now, uh, well, it still didn't work, but the point is that right now women can get free abortion, like not so free, but very, very cheap abortion in a state clinic and uh, you have the right to do it. And uh, uh, Russian patriarchal ch church wouldn't allow that. They're fighting to ban the abortions, but they're trying to do that, not only because of God or some sort of uh, patriarchal discourse or something like that, but also because that would, uh, lessen up the budget to the uh, well for the uh, they would allow to cut the budget on that women and also the other part of conservative discourse is the nationalism because as well as in china uh russia or like huge uh, towns of russia huge cities uh, uh, lean on the labor of migrants which uh, come from the middle Asia and uh, they are totally unprotected, especially migrant women. Well, if you come around, go around Moscow, you would see migrant women from Tajikistan or Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan working everywhere at the restaurants, uh, uh, as janitors, uh, well, doing the renovations in uh, Moscow. And while people are overall um, unsatisfied by the whole level of uh, their, uh, well, un unsatisfied by the politics and the state, their anger is moved towards the uh, migrants, towards the people of different nationalities, which works really, really fine, uh, well, for now. And so the socialist groups are trying to work with these migrants. Uh, well, for example, in Moscow, there are some project of uh, uh, labor unions uh, with the migrants and especially with migrant women because like socialist uh, feminists are trying to work with migrant women. But uh, I should say that these groups are tiny for now and the point is that right now the nationalism is on the rise because uh, well people have some sort of uh, i don't know patriotism well they fight if they are not satisfied with vladimir putin's politics they are trying to get the real russia back and that's a real problem uh, so as for militarism and uh, imperialism uh, russia doesn't fight uh, any imperialism because Russia is actually an imperialistic state. And so uh, <laughs> there, uh, 
there was uh, and there still is the war in Ukraine and Russia is using Syria as a test field for military techniques and so on. But the point is, and people, well, as if uh, the war with the Ukraine was really painful because there are a lot of people with the Ukraine uh, roots, like myself, for example, and it's obvious that it's a very close nation and people were traumatized by that and people were protesting the war with Ukraine because like it's hilarious it's like the closest state and with the, the closest language and so on uh, but uh, the Syria people don't care very much about it as for like Syrian or Java people except for I mean, socialists and uh, people who are, who have time to read about it and who have time to think about it. Uh, but uh, the thing uh, where the point where the militarism strikes back at you is uh, the budget um, is the state budget because uh, for last five years the military and police budget was rising, and at the same time the uh educational uh, the uh, national health care and uh, well other uh, other expenses were cut at the same time and also it's a very uh, nice point for socialist feminists and for feminists to look at because most of the educational system are women most most of the healthcare system are women and the lowest uh, the lowest jobs the, the jobs the lowest positions in this uh, field are taken by women so that's the, the statistics so three problems poverty nationalism and conservatism and the electional crisis which will be uh, uh, solved, I don't know how, but the state is uh, right now trying to solve it in its own pure shaped way, very strange way, by making us a new constitutions uh, with uh, some insane uh, uh, implementations, like they are going to uh, mention God in the um, constitution, they are going to mention the family how families should look like in the constitution like only men and women of course uh, and uh, who knows what else uh, will be the next uh, the agenda for next five years as far as i understand it what is the state of uh, women's struggles and gender relations in your country are there any struggles you face against your own male comrades the good news is that feminism is becoming popular in Russia. It's becoming uh, fashionable in Russia. And uh, although I can criticize the glamorized version of feminism immensely, and although I can say that it started in academic circles from the women in academia reading Judith Butler and whatnot, and very women that were very far from uh, actual women's struggle and so on. but this feminism this glamour feminism is going down because it's meeting some actual concerns that women have so uh, the main point of women's struggle and gender relations uh, right now in russia is the domestic violence law the point is that in uh, 2015 uh, the battery and the assault uh, 
was removed uh, from the panel code and it became a civic um, violation, civic code, code violation. So uh, from uh, 2015, a husband who used to beat his wife was no longer a criminal, but uh, just uh, had to pay some uh, tax. Well, just had to pay some money for that. So the point is, uh, after that, the amount of domestic violence started to rise. It, it was very high before, but right now there was uh, there is no legal penalty against the beating and against the assault of women. So uh, women started to suffer more and that became visible for the authorities and that became visible for other uh, women struggle activists and so on and another point and women started a, a huge campaign for implementing the domestic violence law into the panel code so the domestic violence could be the real crime uh, prosecuted by the police and uh, people who practice domestic violence could be put in jail and uh, well to have the orders that would keep uh, the uh, um, violator far away from his victim and uh, uh, other other stuff needed to protect women from the domestic violence and this problem rose even more and it became even more hot uh, last year last summer when uh, three sisters, after the very peculiar case uh, of self-defense, it, it was called uh, uh, Sisters Hachaturian case. So there were three sisters uh, in a family and they killed their father. And they killed their father because uh, he was violating them. Well, violence, sexual violence, rape and so on. And they didn't know what to do, so they killed him. And this uh, case became very publicly, uh, widely discussed in public. And uh, the feminists uh, went into the struggle and used this case uh, also to implement, to lobby the domestic violence law so that we could have the crisis centers, the hotlines where women such these sisters could call and so on. And at the same time, uh, the struggle for reclassifying this case, this, well, killers, sister killers, uh, to reclassify this case to self-defense started. And uh, it's a small, tiny victory right now because it's going to be reclassified as self-defense. Uh, however, uh, a lot of uh, like people with a patriarchal view uh, see, saw these uh, three kids well they were actually very young uh, women so they saw these kids as uh, killers so that's the struggle started and the struggle is very uh, violent because uh, while feminist wave rises the so-called masculinist wave is rising as well with the support of uh, russian church with the support of russian nationalist movements and uh, men are trying to say that they will be uh, maybe uh, oppressed by this domestic violence law because they would have to 
gave up their flats or they would have to give up their give up their right to beat their wives and so on and it's uh, said that during last 20 years russia was falling deeper and deeper into some patriarchal uh, misogynist and very old discourse and we have these old writings from the patriarch of russian church where there is said that a good husband should teach his wife good manners in some manners uh, so there are a lot of people who would uh, support this state of things and the point is that uh, right now this domestic violence law is going to be implemented probably because there is a, a working group in russian parliament who agreed uh, a working group uh, inside the official authorities um, who agreed to lobby this law but this law uh, uh, created the, the project created by feminist activist was completely rewritten and the point is that as in an old form it looked like an american domestic law where you uh, if you have troubles with your husband you leave and the police should protect you from him approaching you and your family and so on uh, but right now the parliament is agreeing to implement this law but it is also rewriting it and uh, it rewrites it in a way where uh, women protection could turn impossible because like the first thing the policeman should do according this new version of this law project is to uh, try to fix the family issues so the policeman comes and he helps you to negotiate with your husband and everything turns very well because family is the main value for russian people as you should understand uh, but mm, the point is the good thing is that uh, feminists who were who were hoping that this law could be uh, implemented in this state, in this current state of uh, current political state is impossible because in order to make uh, any pro-women and pro-feminist laws working, you have first to change this parliament. So we also move into the electional crisis because there is no party in Russian parliament. Well, there are four parties and they all look all the same. So it, it's like a um, toy opposition, not real opposition. So you have to change the parliament. You have to change the police system because uh, even though we have uh, the rape laws and even though we have the laws uh, that should protect women russian police uh, would simply refuse any accusations they would simply ignore the calls when women are calling uh, well and when women are having troubles with their husbands or with their partners and so, so and so on so uh, that's for me too so that's what the me too turned into because like uh first it started as a facebook uh, i don't know as a facebook movement uh, about sharing your traumas and emotions but right now it's turning into a real struggle against the domestic law and there is a lot of uh flash mobs there is a lot uh, there is a lot of pickets there is a lot of protests against this uh 
particular case of domestic violence, uh, violence against women, there is a lot of group who, uh, that fight uh, this particular case. However, feminist activism isn't very safe in Russia right now, but uh, the um, oppressions that the authorities put uh, onto feminist activists look very strange and very peculiar. peculiar. Like uh, for now, uh, there is a case of Yulia Tsvitkova, a feminist activist, who would uh, write uh, about women body and who would uh, make uh, pictures of vaginas and that's all. So the Russian police comes to her and said that the pictures of uh, women uh, private parts is pornography and so they're putting her in jail for pornography, uh, well for producing pornography and uh, right now it's one of the cases like about that uh, and I wouldn't uh, well the LGBT activism is even more is even worse because uh, in 2013 Russian government implemented the law against the propaganda of non-traditional sexual relationships to children so after this uh, law so you cannot show any gay or lesbian or whatsoever relationships to children that's the point but the point is that uh, as children have the access to the internet anyone who is writing about his sexual experience or sexual relationships or something like that can be um, can be the target of this law but even worse is that uh, after this signal given by the authorities, uh, street nationalist activists started uh, uh, started uh, stalking and they started uh, assaulting uh, LGBT people. So we have quite a list of the victims, LGBT victims of uh, street nationalist violence. That was Anna Nichnik, a socialist feminist, publisher and activist in Russia. She specialises in literary gender studies and women's histories. And that's all we have time for on today's programme of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.